Welcome to Talking Biotech, the podcast dedicated to exploring the latest advancements in biotechnology, sponsored by Calabra, the R&D software that accelerates scientific discovery with AI. Each week, we'll dive into the latest innovations and discoveries with industry leaders and pioneers. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Fulta. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's podcast. This week, we're speaking with Dr. Sandra Pritzko. She's an assistant professor with the Mitchell Center for Alzheimer's Disease and Brain Disorders at the McGovern Medical School at the University of Texas Health, Houston. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Pritzko. Yeah, thank you so much for the invitation. Um, like, I'm happy to um, talk to you today. Yeah, I'm happy to talk to you too. Prions have been a kind of a hobby for a long time. It's a topic that I really am interested in because they're a very unusual type of pathology or infectious agent. So if you catch a virus, you know, you're catching a, a virus from the environment or from somebody else. A prion is a molecule or a protein within ourselves. And we already make this protein as part of our central nervous system. And the problem is, is that it changes to become pathological. Now I'll let you take it from there, but let's start out with this idea of what exactly is a prion? Okay, like a prion is an infectious agent of prion disease. It um, is a misfolded version of a cellular protein we all have um, called the prion protein. So um, the, the term prion um, goes back to Stanley Prusenan and refers to a protein being the solely infectious agent. Okay, so this is an infectious agent that causes a number of devastating diseases in humans and other animals, but it's something that comes from within, right? I mean, this is a cellular protein that's normally present in a number of different cells in the body, and when it converts because of either some sort of environmental or other type of genetic situation, becomes a basis of pathology. Is that correct? Like, like a prion is, is more um, only referred to the infectious agent or so the misfolded version. So the other one is a prion protein, the cellular protein, which our body uh, manufactures. So yes, there are um, different uh, causes um, which can trigger the disease. Uh, like it can um, occur at those three, uh, different origins, three different origins. One origin is um, through the genetic. So um, the protein can actually, um, or the gene which codes for the protein can have a mutation. And these um, amino acid change can trigger the protein to have a higher uh, propensity to, to misfold and um, become the uh, infectious, um, like misfolded version of the, the prion protein. And this then um, triggers um, other cellular protein to um, also um, misfold and starts uh, the cascade of, um, of the prion replication and the prion disease. Um, like another origin is through infection. So um, that meaning that um, we are uptaking the um, misfolded version of the prion protein inside of our body. And um, these uh, misfolded protein also triggers again cellular protein to um, also change the shape, change the form, and uh, misfold and start then again the cascade of um, prion replication and then the disease. So the third possible origin is um, actually spontaneous. So as you already said, that uh, maybe environmental changes 
um, can cause um, uh, like a spontaneous um, change um, from the so change the cellular prion protein to become the misfolded version of the prion protein. So we don't know exactly how this happens. What has is like with unknown cause, but um, yeah, it just happens spontaneous. So there's a spontaneous conversion of a normal protein, which is present in our cells, to this pathological form. Okay, so what are some of the diseases that people may have heard of or probably didn't hear of? What are some of the common diseases that are associated with prion-based conversion? So, yes, um, it's exactly uh, correct how you said that there's a cellular um, form of um, the, the prion protein which um, has like a normal function. And uh, then there is this misfolded form of the, the cellular protein which causes the disease. Um, so, uh, yes, as you said, there are, um, like, we know um, animal prion diseases and uh, human prion diseases. Um, like, a very prominent um, animal prion disease is um, actually mad cow disease. Maybe you have heard about this, um, because this was, like, a big problem in the 80s. Um, it was affecting a lot of um, cows. And um, there are um, the human version of prion diseases. Like, the most common one is Kreuzfeld-Jakob disease. Um, as you already said, this is like a very rare disease. However, um, there is this concern that um, animal prion diseases can be transmitted to humans. So like in the case of BSE being transmitted um, to, um, to, to humans and forming the new variant of Kreuzfeld-Jakob disease. Yes, most people remember this from the 80s. So BSE is bovine spongiform encephalopathy, which was the cow version of a prion-related disease that then could be transmitted to humans and cause a number of different pathologies. So you mentioned the variants of Kreutzfeldt-Jakob disease, but there's also other things like fatal familial insomnia and other types of diseases, neurological diseases. Is that correct? Yes. Um, the BSE, spongiform, uh, so bovine spongiform disease in cow, um, it was transmitted um, to humans and uh, caused a new brand of Kreutzfeldt-Jakob disease. But yes, you're correct, there are other forms of prion diseases in humans, it's like the familiar. Um, these are more like genetic versions, but there are also um, some prion diseases caused actually by cannibalism. Um, this Kuru. Yeah, Kuru is kind of the cool one. It was ritualistic cannibalism that uh, for really was where these prion-related diseases were first identified and be shown to be connected to consumption of neurological tissue. And so this was a really interesting story. Do you want to spend a second and maybe drill down on that just a little bit more? Uh, yes, it was mostly um, in, 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 in kids and also in, in um, women because um, they were eating the brain. Also, um, it goes back to uh, like a ritual when um, like uh, one of the relatives dies um, so that the person can continue living. They are um, eating the brain. So, and the women were mostly um, like preparing um, the food. So, so by uh, preparing, maybe they had some injuries in the hands so that disease got transmitted. And also, um, yeah, they were eating the brain. Yeah, so consumption of the brain, it's kind of a strange metaphor for the disease itself because it, it spreads by others who are consuming the, uh, the prion, which is, which is converted. So this is interesting stuff from humans, but I really wanted to talk to you because this has been over the last several decades showing up in deer, in elk and other types of uh, animals. And 
is responsible for something called chronic wasting disease. So can you give us more of a background on what this specific pathology is, maybe even where we see it? Yes. So um, chronic wasting disease is a um, prion disease in um, cervids. Um, it affects um, different species of, of cervid, um, like um, has been reported um, wild tail deers, but also um, moose and elk and mule deer. Um, uh, this um, uh, has been um, like spreading like um, extensively in the last um, like decade. Um, and uh, it's becoming like a, a problem in the United States, especially. But also, there have been cases reported in Europe and um, uh, Korea. And, and it seems to be getting worse and worse. What are some of the symptoms that may be observed when we look at a case of chronic wasting disease? Ah, yes. Um, so uh, the symptoms is like um, the animals show like a, a, a wasted ex appearance. Um, and... Um, why we know that actually chronic wasting disease is a prion disease is um, prion diseases have like some certain key features. So um, like we know that um, all prion diseases are like fatal diseases. So um, then also um, the brain becomes like a sponge. So um, like the brain um, gets holes um, and it's called like spongiform degeneration. So it looks like a, like a sponge. And also you find um, accumulation of the prion protein in the brain. So therefore, um, the people knew that, um, that chronic uh, wasting disease is also a prion disease because this actually um, displays all these common features of prion disease. Yeah, but there's one feature that it doesn't display. And so we, in humans and in other animals, we see the propagation of this from the consumption of neurological tissue. But deer are vegetarians, I think. So, so they're not eating the central nervous system tissue of other, other cervids, right? I mean, how is this spreading in these animals? Yes, this is a very good question. Yes, herbivores, so they don't eat uh, meat. So, yes, so there are um, three possible routes of um, transmission. Um, one is um, like vertical from um, the mother to the offspring. Um, another possible um, route is um, horizontal from animal to animal, maybe uh, during a mating season or mating. And um, I think the probably uh, most common, in my opinion, um, transmission route is um, through the environment. So um, an infected deer um, sheds prion continuously through um, like urine, um, saliva, feces, but also um, caravas of um, diseased animals um, release prion through the environment. And um, we, we know that um, prions um, efficiently bind to soil and other environmental compounds and get accumulated. They can also get accumulated in plants and then um, non-infected deers um, like are exposed to this environment, infected environment, and maybe also eat these plants and then they get um, infected. Well, this is a freaky new one on me because I always thought as long as you didn't eat brains and spinal cords, you were safe from a prion-based disease. But what you're telling me is that this stuff is released in urine and cadaver breakdown, whatever, and actually accumulates in the environment and can be a threat to propagating prion disease? Yes. Um, so like we have shown, so it depends on, um, on the prion disease. Some prion diseases are more um, 
like based in the brain, but um, like other prion diseases um, as chronic wasting disease are also very present in the periphery. So therefore we find that in, um, in urine and saliva and, and all like bodily fluids. This is really shocking because it always seemed to me that this couldn't happen. So you're telling me that if you have the right test, that you can go out, like the right sensitive enough test, that you can go out and survey soil or survey plants and find the converted pathological form of the prion protein in the environment? Uh, yes. Um, I'm like, we have shown um, that, um, so we have um, experimentally um, exposed environmental um, surfaces with prions, and then we, we showed that you can um, test um, for it with... Um, with a, with a sensitive um, amplification te uh, technique. <laughs> That's really scary because it, these diseases can be kind of difficult to spot. I mean, chronic wasting in its, in its full form has some symptoms, but prion diseases by characteristic tend to have very long latency periods. So is this also the case with chronic wasting disease and how it's affecting these different cervid species? Yes. Um, there are asymptomatic um like it starts um, asymptomatic because prion disease takes a long time to, to accumulate. Um, and um, during this time, during this asymptomatic phase, um, there, uh, there are already prions shed into the environment. So there are like maybe a lot of deer running around which look completely normal, but um, they are already infected um, and um, spread, um, spreading the disease. <laughs> so we, but we know that you can spread the disease from cervid to cervid, you know, deer to elk, deer to moose, moose to deer, all that stuff. But it would seem as though that if this was being transmitted to humans, there would be some very clear epidemiological evidence because there's specific communities where consumption of deer and handling deer is much more common. Is there any evidence of that? So, um, this question um, does not have really the definite answer. So um, it's still under investigation. Um, it's like, yeah, obviously we cannot um, infect um, a humans. So therefore we have to use models. So um, in the past, um, people have used uh, mice, um, transgenic mice, which um, express a human um, protein. These, um, they infected these transgenic mice with uh, chronic wasting disease. Um, but the results were, were negative, so there was no um, possible transmission. Um, however, then they also have used um, other models, um, monkeys. So monkeys are closer to humans, so that's why it's a more relevant uh, model. So they have used two different monkey species um, to um, analyze or to um, investigate um, like a zoonotic potential of chronic wasting disease. One of them is um, the squirrel monkeys. And uh, squirrel monkeys showed that they are highly susceptible to acquire um, prion disease, whereas um, the macaques um, showed controversial results. One group reported um, like a negative result, so they did not see transmission. And um, another group um, showed um, evidence that actually um, chronic wasting disease can be transmitted to macaques and maybe have a um, zoonotic potential to humans. And so when you're saying transmissible, what you're saying is, is that the introduction of the misfolded protein has the ability to influence the resident protein, resident cellular protein, and convert it to this pathological form. And so is that the correct interpretation? 
Yeah, transmissible means um, that, um, yes, transmissible means that um, it can, um, yes, change the conformation of the cellular pre uh, protein. So, and uh, to become a misfolded version, that's correct. Well, I, I should have asked this earlier, but what does the normal cellular prion protein do? You know, what's its role? Its role can't be to be a target for misfolding to cause some sort of weird disease. Yes, like anon, actually, the, the real function of the prion protein. However, there have been um, like uh, some function proposed, for example, um, that it maybe play a role in the myelation of the axons, or it may um, play also a role in the uptake of kappa into the cells. Um, but this is still um, still unknown. Um, but um, probably the function of the um, cellular prion protein is um, not essential because uh, there are um, experimentally created animals which do not carry the cellular prion protein and they um, do not show obvious changes. They look um, pretty normal. Yeah, pretty normal. I remember the old papers back in the 1990s where they made knockout mice and the knockout mice looked pretty much normal. The only thing they did weird was that they ran on the wheel at different times than they normally would. Yes. And so the, so mice have very, uh, very strict habits about different things they do in the cage and running on the wheel is a big yes. one. So they, yes. they would run at the normal time, but when the knockout ones seem to have a problem with their circadian rhythms that they were maybe slightly altered, but I haven't really looked at the data on this in, in a couple decades. So not terribly helpful. Um, we're speaking with Dr. Sandra Pritzko. She's an assistant professor with the Mitchell Center for Alzheimer's Disease and Brain Disorders at McGovern Medical School at UT Health Houston. This is the Talking Biotech Podcast by Calabra, and we'll be back in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Calabra, the data monitoring platform designed to reveal research insights and streamline reporting across your organization. With Calabra, you'll gain a comprehensive view of your research workflows, simplifying scientific IP governance, compliance, and analysis. Visit Calabra.app to learn how you can transform your research process today. C-O-L-A-B-R-A dot A-P-P. And now we're back on the Talking Biotech podcast. We're speaking about prions and the relationship to chronic wasting disease. We're speaking with Dr. Sandra Pritzko. She's an assistant professor at the McGovern Medical School at the University of Texas Health in Houston. And we're speaking about chronic wasting disease, which I think that if this thing was really zoonotic and jumping to humans, that we would see it more prevalent in places where people were hunting deer. It would seem like you'd have sound epidemiological evidence of this. So deer hunting is a huge sport through most of the country. So do we actually see any evidence of this uh, from epidemiological studies? Yes, there have been reports um, that there's a higher pre uh, prevalence of uh, prion disease in areas where hunters are present. But um, there's no uh, real evidence um, that this is really caused by, for example, cro uh, chronic wasting disease. So it can be just um, a coincidence, um, but up to date, there is um, no um, proof that hunters um, got infected with um, chronic wasting disease. Okay, but what about the animals themselves? Are we seeing more and more spread of this disease among deer and other types of animals 
Because it seems to me over the last 20, 30 years that this is becoming a bigger and bigger problem in spreading. Uh, yes, um, it has been um, spreading um, extremely, um, like uh, it's growing and growing. Um, before, like maybe 20 years ago, it was um, just in like a small area of the United States. And now you can find it in um, like a half of the states of the United States. What about Europe and other places in Asia? Yes, um, you are absolutely correct. Um, we also, um, we are also reported some cases in, in Europe and um, in Norway but I think also in Sweden and in Korea. Yeah, can we learn anything from allelic variation, like different versions that maybe have a higher propensity for conversion to the pathological form from the cellular form? So, but there are investigate, so there are um, evidences that there are also um, different strains um, of, of chronic wasting disease, which uh, do have um, a different... Um, like they may be more infectious or they're actually able to um, to um, transmit um, to other species and then become like a zoonotic potential. Well, what is exactly being done to eradicate chronic wasting disease? It's like uh, uh, there are um, some um, strategies. Also one of them is like uh, surveillance, just monitor um uh, the areas which are infected um, with chronic wasting disease. Um, another approach is that um, when there are um, like a farm reporting um, infectious um, deers, um, like an agency comes and they are depopulating um, the farm and they are decontaminating the area. Um, however, I think that um, this is not enough um, to eradicate the disease. Because chronic wasting disease is also spreading a lot in the wild. So um, that's why it's difficult to get this under control. But um, in my opinion, uh, what would be probably good to, uh, to develop a vaccine um, which um, can prevent the disease or um, also um, combine this with um, routine testing um, and then depopulating uh, affected deers. Uh, so rather than depopulation, couldn't they just use vaccination? It seems like you'd be able to design a vaccine that would work against specific alleles, like you know mRNA vaccines, or even um, a, a vaccine against the misfolded form. You know, using that uh, the epitopes presented by the misfolded form of the protein. But there's probably not a lot of uh, interest or dollars in this kind of thing. So am I just being overly cynical? The farmers are maybe uh, more interested in um, that the um, vaccine gets de developed because they are losing a lot of money actually when um, when the, they're losing the whole existence and they're getting a little bit of money back from the um, from the government but um, they're losing the whole existence when the whole farm gets depopulated. So um, and the farmers they do have um, have a lot of money. So that's why this could. Um, potentially be um, developed by, by money given by, from farmers. Yeah, and most people don't realize that deer are farmed as livestock, that either directly for venison production or also to populate uh, deer parks for hunters where they can go hunt inside a fenced-in area, kind of like, you know, a game reserve, that kind of thing. Uh, yes, there are um, farms, and I, I think it's for, um, like, meat production, but also for, for hunting. So, yeah, um, there are... Pro, uh, producing deers um, so that uh, people can go and, and hunt them. 
Okay, so mitigation, you know, maybe uh, maybe something we need to concentrate more on. But in terms of the research that you're doing, where can people learn more about chronic wasting disease, um, the, the prion diseases, and the work that's being done inside your program? Yes, if, if you want to learn more about um, um, our lab and about chronic wasting disease, um, we have a Twitter account. Um, it's called um, the Misfolding um, Disorders Laboratory at the Megafan Medical, Medical School in Houston, where we uh, post um, updates and, and research. Yeah, so for those who are interested in Twitter, it is at McGovernMed, at M-C-G-O-V-E-R-N-M-E-D. And you can follow that. They frequently have updates from the Protein Folding Lab Group. So, Dr. Sandra Pritzko, thank you very much for joining me today, and best wishes in your research going forward. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, It was a pleasure talking to you. And to all the listeners, thank you very much for listening to another episode of the Talking Biotech Podcast. Please keep writing those reviews and tell a friend. Uh, The area of prion research, especially as it applies to these easily transmissible zoonotic types, is really intriguing. It's a really interesting area of biology, an interesting area of medicine, and something that just about anybody can really find interest in. It's a great way to cultivate new interest in biology and new interest in biotechnology. This is the Talking Biotech Podcast, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Talking Biotech, sponsored by Calabra, the platform that bridges the gap between siloed research tools. With Calabra's electronic lab notebook, scientists can work together in real time, sharing data and insights with ease. Revolutionize your research collaboration. Sign up for a demo today at calabra.app. C-O-L-A-B-R-A dot A-P-P.